Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University, and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio. Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member-based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset. Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit wholefoodsmarket.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Well, hello and welcome. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton and welcome to Chef Story. And today we're broadcasting from Seoul, Korea. <laughs> I happen to be here for Seoul Gourmet and I am really thrilled because I am uh, presenting along with some of the world's greatest chefs. And I made an extraordinary discovery. I met Wojciech Modest Amaro who has a one-star Michelin. He's the only Michelin-starred chef in Poland, in Warsaw. And after I saw his demo, I realized he has to be one of the most creative and wonderful chefs we have working in the world today. And so, Wojciech, I am so excited Hello. to have you on this show. Thank Welcome. You, thank you so much. Let's do a shout-out to New York. Yes. <laughs> Hello, New York. <laughs> Hello. So we can't, we can't wait. We want you to come and do a pop-up. But I will do. I will come. I, I have to say, just to give people, because they may not be that familiar with you or your restaurant, let me tell the, the public out there um, what turned my head about, about you. Um, first of all, Wojciech's cuisine is so close to the earth and the seasons. Uh, we're going to get into that later. Even Dan Barber asked for his calendar that we're going to talk about. But I saw something yesterday that I never saw uh, before. And you were going to uh, cure a piece of salmon. Yeah. <laughs> and you did it. You said, I wanted to do it as naturally as possible. And you thought about the sweetness of carrots. And so you grated probably 10 pounds of carrots and put a little salt with it and kept it in a big plastic bag to sort of um, get the juices out. And that's what you used to cure the salmon. With this one piece of beautiful filet of salmon, you covered it in this carrot, just these, this grated carrot uh, compote, I guess. It wasn't cooked at all. It was absolutely raw. 
only for 20 minutes. And it cured the salmon. And I thought, I have never seen anything. That is really looking at the earth and taking the earth. I was so excited. You had also put fennel seeds on the salmon, I would say. But we'll get into that later. But um, you are truly a man of the earth. That's what I I can believe. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. So so tell me, Wojciech, where where exactly in Poland did you grow up? And and, uh, what were some of your earliest... uh, influences about food i come uh, actually from south of poland very urban you know area um and actually it's it's, it's hard to, to to believe that you know you you could be uh, somehow uh interested in cooking at that point in in, in poland and uh, but my childhood was that we were we were not rich at all. We were kind of poor, and my parents used to take us for uh, full two months during holi- summer holidays to our um, to our uh, family in the countryside in the middle of Poland, and we spent the two months. and I can recall this is my first uh, memories of food, of ingredients, of this you know unique garden that we we used to walk into. And touch everything, the carrot, the uh, gooseberries, I remember, of course, and uh, and the apples and uh, raspberries. And we used to wash it, everything uh, uh, under the w- water pump, yeah, and uh, and just eat like that, completely raw. I used to go fishing w- with my brother. Uh, we were stealing our uncle's uh, moto- motorcycle, whatever. <laughs> not 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 grow enough to to ride it, but <laughs> we were doing that, and and also work working on the field. So you know, it was like uh, as happy uh, uh, childhood as you can imagine. You know, completely free with wonderful ingredients and fantastic food. But I think this is the moment when my uh, alphabet, I would say, of flavors. You know, it start to set up in in my mind. I I like to take t- take uh, and taste something that is uh, as original as possible. So I even I can tell now that it took me uh, a long time to go to the Jap- to Japan for the first time because I want to try also the sushi at the place when the when the origin is of that. So I have this kind of patience to wait to 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 taste the you know the the uh, the original flavors uh, as as they should uh, be served or existed, and I think that was that was this my first encounter with, with with ingredients itself. And then I found kitchen uh, altogether the most interesting place in my house. <laughs> I so wasn't wait, wait, so w- you grew up in an urban place yeah. in southern uh, Poland. So what would what would your mother? Was there a lot of canned food, or was there a lot no, of? No, the food. Uh, the food was 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 very good. My mother was, uh, yeah, he is very good cook, but you know, it's it's. My father uh, was a pilot. Uh, he used to work uh, for uh, Red Cross. Uh-huh. He, he was, we can say, he was saving lives of, of many people, That's children mainly in, uh, in in the mountains as well. Um, on helicopters, so it's a quite you know risky as well uh, profession. And uh, but uh, yeah, well, no, so tell f- us in f- Poland, what what would be your breakfast? 
by then we we used to I, I remember always we used to have a, a fantastic bakeries and 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 the bakery was there maybe there was not as many ingredients to choose from to put on <laughs> the slice of bread but decent butter and fantastic uh, breads that were available you know we have to remember it's we're talking about communism era in Poland you know completely 50 years of blackout uh, when all the traditions were wiped out, basically people were just trying surviving. So the food was just the fuel, probably, uh, to to live on. And and people from countryside were m- more lucky because they had sm- small farms and did you have many to ingredients. So for for us, it was like this: you waited ten months for these two months of vacation. It was re- you know, and every year was the same. We. We actually we couldn't wait to go to go there again for for another two months. Uh, so to get the bakery bread, did you yeah. have to wait online? Was there enough food for people? No, it, it was un- until um, the, uh, I don't know how you call it the, the military uh, time when 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 uh, when uh, when when army was in charge of everything in nineteen. Eighty-one, I, I guess, uh, thirteen of so December. So, did you have a lot of meat? Did you have a lot of fish? We did used to, we used to go to, to 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 family to my father's family in the mountain, which was not that far, two two three hours drive, and they had, of course, so we could get a, a very good sausage, <laughs> and um, pieces of meat, and and free. Uh, we would say now free rent chicken and eggs and everything. But uh, living in a city was was difficult, uh, obviously, and the, the choice was very limited. And when we had this, uh, the military time, uh, there, there was basically no food. The shelves were empty completely, and people were queuing for uh, <laughs> for hours to get I don't know a, a piece of butter, salted butter at that time. <laughs> I remember wrapped in a newspaper. So it was it was quite uh, quite difficult. So even even more, uh, you know this 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 willing willingness of of going to the countryside when there was still plenty to choose from. It was like awaiting. were you wh- were there restaurants when you were growing up? Restaurant we we used to call it the milky bars. The <laughs> milky <were> bars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they were serving. Uh, uh, some some s- simple su- soups, maybe few uh, pancakes or or pierogies, stuffed with with cottage cheese and and a little bit of sugar. That's it. So uh, and and restaurants. Whoever was the member of the Communist Party, they of course they had th- they were the better ones, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they had more privileges and, and and they used to go and more money probably to go to to some kind of restaurants and uh, and it was this classic Polish cuisine based on you know chop- breaded pork chops and some potato cabbage and, and and things like that. But you know I I would say the if you write down the menu from those years. It would be like ten, ten dishes all together, all over, all over. All so over the culture again. of being a chef was not uh, no, one was something. Not, was not completely. I remember when I was finishing uh, uh, my primary school and I was choosing the, the college. I said to my parents, "I want to go to to culinary college," and and they were just completely uh, shocked. <laughs> and, and it was a disaster. It was a family disaster because my my grades in uh, at school were, were all perfect and i and i had you know this uh, this special 
award when I completed the school as the one of the, the best yeah, ever. And imagine sitting down with your parents and telling them you, you're going to be a cook when, you know, being a cook, being a, a chef, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound any interesting. It's not professional. It's not a professional. It's for people who It's don't know what to do with color, their lives. Yeah. yeah. What uh, made you want to be a chef? Uh, I mean, it wasn't that you had exciting I, restaurants. No, I think it was this this love for food, for ingredients that was with me. I, when I was three, I did my first, we could say, kind of souffle. And When I, you were three? Yeah, and I asked my sister, she was three years older, to actually light up the... Uh, the oven uh, the gas oven because i couldn't touch the matches of course i would be uh, you know it would be uh, you uh, did listen to your parents sometime <laughs> yeah so how I, did you know about a souffle when you were three <laughs> i don't know i just saw it and uh, and i wanted to beat uh one egg whites and uh, in the other bowl mix one the egg yolk with the sugar and added to that and, and just We purely, you know, bake it quickly and eat it. And so that was my first account of, of my first dish ever, I guess. And and then I was always, you know, uh, around the kitchen during, you know, s Sunday was uh, at that time, the, you know, this special day, not only the day of, but also uh, parents used to save something ex extra for, for the Sunday meal for, for a whole family. So I was always there, and uh, mm, we used to cook with my mother all all kind of cakes, pastry. I love that. I, I thought actually at, at the beginning I'm gonna be the patissier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so what did your friend? What did your friends think? Your parents are are really upset because you're brilliant, yeah. and they want you to be uh, someone. <laughs> well, you know, doctor, lawyer, whatever. Yeah. And and uh, what did your friends think when you said you wanted? Did they look down on the? chef profession or i don't think i i actually shared that you know that passion <laughs> with uh, for <laughs> cooking with anyone we i used to uh, just be a normal boy at that age we used to play a lot of football and uh, and my uh my uh, my second passion i would say in love was was with tennis so i spent hours at the tennis court and uh And I, if somebody asked me and, and I had the proof that I play a lot, <laughs> <laughs> I used to say, yeah, I'm going to be a tennis player one day. Uh, but deep in my heart, I, uh, I you knew, knew you I wanted to be a chef. So I was there a culinary school that was there a... Was a there was a culinary school, even in my, in my, in my town, in Sosnovic. But, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it, it sounded so terri terrifying to my parents. And my father, he's... I think he's a very wise man. He we, he asked me to sit down and to have a, a little chat about it. And 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 actually he uh, uh, he told me everything about being a cook. <laughs> he <laughs> rolled up my full career in front of me at that point to see what I am getting into, and and then convinced me just you know as as father can do to 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 his loving son that you know what what other choices are there and uh, and and I and I changed my mind after that and and I went to uh, <laughs> electronic college because there was the the best the best college in the area i think in top three altogether in the whole country 
uh, and there's something that sounded like a really future for a young boy, you know, the, you know, the technical college specializing in electronics or whatever that sure. means. And, uh, and, and with that, you know, note that the grade that I had, the paper that I had from the college, it was, you know, the right direction. So I, we decided that I will give it a try. <laughs> and uh, I passed the exams. There were three exams. I passed two, and because the, the, the notes were uh, as high as possible, they, I didn't have to go to the third one. <laughs> I was already approved. So everybody was really hoping that, you know, he's coming uh, a, a brilliant career in electronics for me <laughs> until I reached the first lesson. And uh, over, I remember over the... Um, Holid during the holidays, I pumped up the, the balloon of expectation and, you know, my future beautiful life um, being, being uh, this technician and, and so on. And the first lesson, lesson when we enter, a professor asked me and a friend of mine to bring uh, some equipment from the back of the, of the, uh, of the room. And we were carrying this <laughs> weighted... 50 kilo, <laughs> and it was one of the electronic devices that used to have at that time. <laughs> no microchip. <laughs> there was no, there was no electronics, no computer or nothing like that. It was what so year was odd. this? <laughs> what, what? And uh, and you know, all my balloon of expectations just was blown away within a second. My first hour at school, and I <laughs> and I knew what a mistake. <laughs> oh my gosh! And uh, of course, my marks went down completely from that on. And uh, half half year um, at the at the half year at school, I had a, my, a chat again with my father because they were not happy, you know, with my performance. Yes. I was completely um, not interested in, in electronics, um, but I was still playing tennis. So. Uh, we decided that you have to you have to you know complete s some some college anyway. So why don't you play tennis and you know just use a little energy as as little as you can to finish the college? It's like somebody will give you five years of freedom at this age. <laughs> I was extremely ha happy with that. <laughs> wow! <laughs> About that deal, and uh, yeah, I did play tennis and uh, you know I was I was cooking at times. Uh, Wh where were you home cooking at my, home? At home, yeah, yeah. with with uh, in my grandhouse, grandmother mm -hmm. house, and you know, we so you spontaneously at at friends' places, like really hiding the uh, the, the passion, in the passion for, for cooking in front so, of them. So tell me, so you continued at the electronics yeah, college for five I did. years? Yes, I, I complete that. I uh, at the end, I passed the, all the exams, the final exams. Uh, I, I think I used this little little bit of uh, <laughs> as we as we agreed. I used this little bit of energy and <laughs> and uh, and you know I play smart to learn what I had to learn at the end and and I passed the exams and 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 then I you know I was facing the uh, I was I was facing the uh, the fact that I have to go to mi to do military service which was really scary <laughs> after five years of freedom. <laughs> right, in tennis. <laughs> <laughs> how can you go? So every does every man has to do yeah, military service? Time, for at, that for time, how long? For two years. Two years, yeah. okay. So, uh, and the only thing that could save you actually was, you know, going 
asked everybody to to university. <laughs> so I did choose the university. And as one of my mentors used to say, it was all so close with, with you know with cooking. So I chose the political political science <laughs> 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 to study at the Silesia uni- University just to be safe from the army. <laughs> and uh, and you know when when I started my first uh, summer holidays, I uh, I went to London. To visit my sister, she she had been already there for uh, for three years, so it was a good you know opportunity to visit her finally. But deep in my heart, I, I knew that I am running away finally, you know, to 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 enter the kitchen and to start what I you know my my uh, my dream, my yeah. dream job uh, to to become a chef and and uh, I had to face this phone call to my mother, which. <laughs> my mother worked at the Silesia University, so <laughs> she had she was completely embarrassed when I f- contacted her after her uh, summer holidays, and I said on the phone, "I'm not coming back. <laughs> I I found my you know my place. I'm I'm working in the kitchen. I am extremely happy, and I couldn't be happier. And and, and definitely, I w- I won't be continuing the." Uh, University. The, the university. Was it a communist time then? No, it was already. Okay, no. so you were free to. Yeah, leave. I was free to 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 go and 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 to do that. But uh, I can say after after many years, <laughs> I think she forgave. She forgave <laughs> you. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. Welcome back. You're listening to Chef Story. It's Dorothy Can Hamilton, and my guest today is Wojciech Modest Amaro from Atelier Amaro in Warsaw. Uh, we're sitting in Seoul, Korea, and in a beautiful uh, restaurant where he's cooking tonight, and I can't wait. Um, so, w- let's—you're the beginning of your culinary career. You're, you started in London. Well, what was yeah. your first culinary job? My first culinary job was uh, an Italian place, and if you have this, you know, fixed idea about becoming a chef, and and you know, and uh, and you sort of dreaming about being in a kitchen and cooking wonderful dishes, and and then of course suddenly arrives the first job. So <laughs> I can see it coming. You know, my first job, eight months, no day off. <gasps> oh. <laughs> That's illegal. Just in case you want to change your mind. <laughs> And you know, find out what are you getting into. Uh, it was eight eight months, and at that point, I had no work permit in in UK because Poland wasn't a member of European Communion. And uh, so, you know, that 
that that's the choice and people were treating uh, i would say us uh, just like that at, at that time but i approved that I, i said of course uh, that's that's what i came for uh, so i i was working with very old italian chef who used to be a, a head chef for many years at san lorenzo on nice bridge a uh, very prestigious restaurant when when we even the the queen used to used to visit and uh, he was about 86 and he had like a part-time job so he was coming to set up the menu to teach us you know a few dishes and um, and uh, and then do working only three days a week f for a few hours uh, so so that that when i started you know all all the uh, grating <laughs> parmesan and you know peeling and grilling whatever making pasta which i love until now and uh, that was all my 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 beginning and after eight months he actually died but before it happened he he kind of uh found this i think this 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 talent in me he gave me his set of knives oh my and if you open the drawer You can see the n some of the knives or spatula. They like thirty, forty, maybe years old. So old, oh. and uh, uh, I travel quite a lot af after that. And you know, all the time I travel. So in in the end, I I kind of lost during those flights and you know different countries. Some of those knives, I still have the spatula, uh, oh. and it was like really very touching moment. Even when I think about it now, oh. and uh, and then I I thought I have the basics. I have to now. I can conquer the world. I can conquer the London. How long were you in that restaurant? I was for eight months, and when he died. Wait, I I just have to ask you. The Queen came to dinner there. No, he used to be a chef. He used to oh. be a head chef of one oh, of the uh, best restaurants. I wondered before. if the and Queen the, went the, to and restaurants. The, and, <laughs> the par, and the part time, it was just you know after he retired. Oh, probably I see. He was just, okay, you know. Man, active person, not not you know, mm -hmm. not to sit at home, but keep working all his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I thought, I'm I'm ready now to you know to conquer London. And my next job was a kind of posh place at that time, uh, Cafe Montpelliano in the middle of Nicebridge, in front of Harrods, with that basic skills that I learned <laughs> from him. <laughs> you know, I could I could I could do that, but then. I realized that I have to do something else. So, you know, my first, I would say, three, four years was like running 300 miles per hour. I used to have two jobs. I remember I used to set up my watch, my alarm clock at, you know, like 4 a.m. To, to, to go to the city to work at the uh, patisserie shop when they were m making all the you know french pastry from the scratch and the shop used to close at one mm -hmm. after you know they've done everything all the sandwiches baking breads and things like that and i used to run to another <laughs> restaurant to work i asked for any stage i could internship i could you know enter and uh, And, uh, and it was like com complete madness. I remember my parents coming over to London at that time, and my father just couldn't believe. I used to fall asleep on the, you know, uh, tube. <laughs> they were waking me up up when they were washing cabins and things like that. Oh, really? I was completely <laughs> tired, exhausted. I didn't know what to do. How many hours a day? I was working. I think 
uh, even 18 hours a day and uh, for a long time and uh, and and then i found this dream job uh with nigel davis in Caf- in um uh, on nicebridge as well uh, old brompton road he used to call it, uh i don't i will remember any moment and I actually sat, and Nigel Davis used to be a head chef of the, of the IV in, in London. I think in 80s, 90s, one of the best restaurants in the world altogether. If we had the 50 best, they would, would have been there. And, uh, and I sat on the pavement and I was waiting for him. And he passed me <laughs> like several days. He, he didn't even look at me. <laughs> and at the end I thought, well, I, 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 until you give me a chance, I will be here. And then one so you literally sat yeah, up? and then he asked me what what do you want?" and I said, "I would like to work with you and he said, "Okay, come tomorrow and it was the most outrageous story because when i I was so happy, I said, "Yes, of course, what time and then I ran, and then I realized the next morning I already have appointment. I am buying a car in Brixton <laughs> so i so <laughs> I came back like like an idiot to tell him that I cannot actually come tomorrow <laughs> because I have a really important appointment. And he just looked at me and he said, whatever, go. And and I thought it's, it's over. But the following day I, I returned and he just made a really fun of me in front of everyone. He said, oh, Mr. Amaro is here, so, you know, finally he's free to join us and all that. Yeah, but I, I deserve that. And, uh, and, and I was cooking with him. He was uh, one of the few um, English, Englishmen, British people I know that, you know, he used to work in France for 10 years, the south of France cuisine, that, that's what we were doing at that time all these uh, pig trotters with moral mushrooms and beautiful uh, uh, mushroom, mushroom uh, and, and, and potato puree and, you know, all the classics. But he was so organized, he was so good at it, and the flavors were amazing. And so was this the, the what you were dreaming of when yeah, you were a I teenager? Mean, I, I think food, because be, you hadn't yeah, tasted food yeah. like that. And then, and then uh, I saved a little bit of money, and I remember going into Le Gavroche for uh, lunch. That's the Rue Brothers, right? Yeah, that's the Rue Brothers. That's that's two star restaurant. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you if you are Yankee, go there, you know, by yourself because the, uh, most probably you're still shaking whether you have enough money in your pocket, <laughs> so you wouldn't invite anyone yeah. <laughs> to go with you. Yeah. And you know, I think I still have the check uh, somewhere uh, for you know for the, for my f- first uh, dinner at the Michelin restaurant like that. And and you know the whole uh, story about the restaurant like that, the movement, the uh, the ballet, the, the the linen, you know, the ballet of it, the, the champagne, the, you know, the, the Amis Bush and and all that. I was just completely uh, I fall in love with that and uh, but I had this I actually wanted to go to uh, they approved me to to school of excellence by Rue Brothers I was going to sign a contract and I met a uh, senior uh, Albert Albert Rue 
and he actually convinced me not to not to join the team, which was like it doesn't happen if you have even now I know that if I find in my kitchen somebody extremely talented, I want him badly because and he was just a, a w- very warm and kind person t- to talk wh- what about what is about you what what is your style what do you what do you think what do you want to be in the next you know ten years and i and I started to actually tell him that the truth that you know repeating classic is is not my cup of tea i i i i always you know create something i always try to smuggle something <laughs> you know into not mine dishes uh, or somebody somebody else and he just looked at me and he said i don't think this is for you and it was just a silence i think you should you should do your own way you you you're gonna be you know a three star restaurant on the waterside you you're gonna be doing a, a Dover sore for a whole year, yeah, <laughs> Veronique or wh- whichever yeah. the, of the recipes, and you're gonna be sleeping with five New Zealanders <laughs> in, a t- <laughs> in a tiny little room. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and but you know, it it's it's uh, how generous of him to it, yes, say that. Generous so what? And experience to you know to to take this energy and this passion you have in front of you and just go a little bit further what do you want to do what what did what? he give you a suggestion what you should do no no he just told me he's, he's, i don't think you should you should sign with us i don't think you should you should do you find your own path you, you know it's, it's it's basically probably gonna be uh, kind of killing you and if you if you follow that and 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 i remember when i work with nigel i I actually created my first um, uh, chilled soup in the summer with cucumber, with some pistachios, with some... I, I don't even remember now what was it. But we had the review at the Evening Standard. And actually they wrote about the, 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 soup? the soup. And I remember after... Uh, the Evening Standard was coming out at something like 5 p.m. In, in, in the afternoon. So after the evening... Uh, service, he he asked me to to come to his office, and I was completely scared. What what's going to happen? And and he asked when I enter, he asked me what kind of beer you're drinking, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I, I I didn't know what to expect, and I thought, uh, oh, or anything, Cronenberg, Stella Artois, whatever. I'm drinking Baddington, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And then he picked up the phone and he uh, he called the service to bring two beers, one for him, one for me. And he opened the evening standard and he said, in my kitchen from now on, you can do whatever you like. And he showed me the review. Wow. And we drank the beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I became a junior sous chef then. And, uh, and it was just, you know, when you're... You need luck along the way. You can do... Mm-hmm. When you kitchen, you always need to do long hours, hard work, and so on. But if you find these, you know, mentors and teachers at the right time, in the right place, you know, it it, it, it gives you uh, wings and, you know, you, you jump into something new. So how I want to get to where you are today. How many restaurants did you work in before you decided to open your own place? I think 20, 20 few restaurants because 20, 22 or three restaurants, some 
I think I include on my resume maybe 11 of those because there were also restaurants that I left after five minutes mm -hmm. when I was young. And so which were some of the most influential? On there were two turning... Uh, there were two uh, uh, crucial points. The first one was when I went to El Bulli and everybody thought um, or would be thinking even now that this is about the molecular cuisine. There was nothing to do with molecular cuisine, but what I found in in El Bulli, at El Bulli was a free man standing in front of his kitchen, completely free, completely. If What I made you want to go there? I, I actually got the award from International Academy of Gastronomy, Chef uh, de l'Avenir, uh, Chef of the Future. And as a part of the award, they offered me going to, to El Bulli. Who would refuse that? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> of course, I, I'm going. So, but I didn't actually say that at, uh, when I arrived. And Albert Adria received the same award on the same year with me. So I am entering the El Bulli, but I didn't tell anyone that I, you know, I have some kind of award, whatever. He's just, you know, he's just here to learn. Uh, he's just there going there to learn. And uh, and Ferran was just, you know, s so free to create an open mind. If you want to cook a piece of meat like carrot, he will do that. If he wants to to cook a carrot like a piece of meat he will do that as well so there was no no borders nothing just complete uh, a, a freedom and if you have time and your mind is open enough to try things you know to to but then use your senses at the end to find the perfect combination of flavors that's enough so and then All sh my life, chefs were asking me, hey, how about Polish cuisine? And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? This breaded <laughs> pork chops? No, this pierogies? <laughs> And he asked me as well. So I, I remember I, I was, I found my, my friends and I said, can you just make a big, you know, box of Polish ingredients and send over to El Bulli right now? And they did that. They were like, you know, apart from vodka, they were, they were bison grass and, you know, some, some, some berries, some, some uh, herbs, uh, dried herbs and all that. And I gave it to him. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, if, if you are telling the truth that you have all that, what about, what, what are you going to do about it? And that was just struck me how you know if you have ingredients how you cannot have the symphony and i was driving back two and a half thousand kilometers back to warsaw after that and i was thinking uh, about polish cuisine all the time all the time all the time and and then in 2010 when i was just about to a few months away from opening atelier i went to i sent my first book polish cuisine of 21st century to rene And I think he replied after six months or so. And he said, who wrote this book? And I said, I did. Why don't you come over? Of course, I'm coming <laughs> tomorrow morning. To Noma. <laughs> to Noma. And, um, and, and I, I, I started to feel, you know, the pressure. I invest every single penny we had and every single penny we didn't have into Atelier. And maybe I should cook, you know, a little bit for the people, how they will react if I do what I, what I have in my heart. And and he, I think, just gave me courage. 
by also telling his true story that when they opened Noma in 2003, you know, people were laughing at him. What, what are you going to do with local products? What do you mean with local products? With pigs and herrings? And, and you know, we don't have to say anything else. He's, he's not <laughs> the best right now. And... Um, And 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 I just and and he convinced me to to do as a, as a plan. No no cutting corners, no compromising anything. It's just you know, uh, you have to you have to you have to cook it from your heart. So I became a heart of Atelier Amaro. What got you back to Poland? Um, I there was all the time. You know, I had this fixed. Um, idea even when I started that I, I don't want to be number 3768 in London I want to be number one in Poland but I just w I, I was waiting for the right uh, venue uh, right opportunity and it arrives in arrived in 2003 I was uh, chosen to be a head chef executive chef at the Polish business roundtable club 300 richest people in Poland, private member clubs. And so you can imagine people who travel the world, they've been everywhere, they ate the best sushi, they had the best foie and caviar, and you are there to feel fulfill their expectation. There is 12 menus running on daily basis in the private rooms. You know, it's a challenge. It's, it's another hectic job, you know, to take on your shoulders. Um, So you went back but to I, that? Yeah, I went back. But on the other hand, I had the ingredients I, you know, anybody else in Poland could dream of. I could buy anything that I wanted. I used to drive to France, to Rungis, Intermarché, to buy things. And I remember my boss, he, <laughs> he didn't like that. He <laughs> said, I have, <laughs> I have only you. How can you drive 18 hours, buy things, and then drive 18 hours back, back to Poland? And I remember when I when there was the time of the week when I had to drive to France to buy things and I was supposed to actually let it do somebody else. I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Because you wanted you know, to pick the right thing. Walking on the you know, on, on, on that uh, market is just amazing uh, you know, experience for any chef. Right. Choosing your ingredients and then right. driving back with a smile on your face. So, so let me take a break here and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Chef Story, and today my guest is Wojciech Modest Amaro from Atelier Amaro in Warsaw. So, Chef, how did you open Atelier? What was the what was the the, the, the tipping point that you said, "Okay, I'm ready"? After nine years, the um, the academy, international ac academy set up. Um, Where is the international academy in based? In France. In, in, France. in France. But but they set up the branch in Poland and uh, and they started to visit uh, uh, this business club. But it was just for private members. And we actually get this tip from them that if you ever dream of having a Michelin star, you have to open to the public because. Quite frankly, we believe the, the quality of, of the food is there. 
but you have to, you know, you have to open to the public. And if this is a private members club, you have to convince the members. They allowed you to, you know, open a room for anybody from the street. It was a difficult part, but we did that. But one month after opening, my my dear friend and my and my and my boss he died uh, very suddenly. And uh, and I, you know, this is the time of your life when you have to, you know, it's it's again a turning point. You had everything that people were like telling you just open that and you're gonna get the start. There's no doubt about it. And and it's just all fall apart af- after his death. So um, I spent 12 months traveling across Poland. I did like 60,000 kilometers. I was saving money. I was looking for ingredients. I was looking for my philosophy. I was creating the calendar of nature. And I was, you know, talking to many people. And uh, and in the end, of course, I I I, I found this l- little location in the middle of park, <laughs> a very small place. And for it's just perfect for me. It's uh, surrounded by nature, so it has to be mine. And um, even though the kitchen is minus one level, uh, very tiny, but it it was just perfect. My heart was beating when I was walking through, you know, next to that building, and um, and I decided to rent it. I put all the money. I took a loan, whatever, and it was necessary. And and in 2011, after returning uh, f- from Noma, we we opened Atelier, and three months later we received a rising star from Michelin Guide. And the rising star actually right now doesn't exist anymore. It, it, Michelin said that it's a little bit confusing. People don't get the idea what's the rising, what's Michelin. So, but. For us, it was the proof that we are heading into the right dire- direction. We just have to, you know, keep on working hard. But on the other hand, I have to be honest, it was so much pressure from the media that we can become the first historical <laughs> Michelin star restaurant in the country. And we start to fall apart. You know, you know we, were, we were feeling such a pressure about this whole Michelin thing. And I remember one month after the announcement, this, this, this rising star, we had the staff meeting and I said, Let, let's just forget it about all that because nobody cares when you, when you run marathon and you come second. <laughs> so, you know, just, just let's don't think about the Michelin and going into history books and things like that. Let's just cook, you know, as, as we, uh, what we're supposed to do. And we basically started just to do our, our thing you know, cooking. So tell us, tell us. You know, uh, I think a lot of our listeners have never had the chance to taste your food. So I- explain some. Of, what was your one of your first menus, or one of, the, or describe a menu to us that you think are really representative of the way there, you. There is several think. several uh, things. First of all, as, as you as chef, you travel the world. You have all these little notes from everywhere you steal the menus <laughs> you copy the recipes you know you you, you make a f- you f- take a photo of the dishes so it's 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 a huge after 22 years you know i had lots of that and i needed to actually somehow make it into a proper um, uh, build a structure around it and I thought if I if if you keep thinking, you put your pen on the empty paper, and you say, okay, what's gonna be on the menu? Oh, let's uh, let's take a minute. What what's available now? 
and then you call your suppliers and you say, what do you have? Do you have this? No, no. So we, I thought, why don't I make a book that it's, it follows? It, every year is almost the same. But the seasonality treated, you know, spring, summer, winter, autumn, winter is, is not enough. Some dishes last, you know, two weeks, some ingredients. And, and I started to create the calendar, divided the environment into areas uh, as they exist, lake, sea, river, meadow, farm, forest, field, and the mountain, because they have different specifics. Um, uh, and special also plants, special microclimate and all that. So it's eight categories and we start to find, categorize all the ingredients available in each week. And I remember my when I arrived into 39 week of the year, which is kind of end of September, I I was I listed 539 ingredients. And I was I remember sitting Whoa. there like thinking, are we serious? Wow. I have in my hand one of the biggest gardens <laughs> in in the world, probably filled with you know biodiversity and all that. And Poland, you know, for people who don't know, we have the Great Lakes area, we have the mountains, we have this access to Baltic Sea. You know, it's, it's all, all all kind of uh, you, you can find in Poland. And uh, and that was the list of the ingredients. So imagine putting them on the table just in front of you. It's a powerful tool if you want to create uh, dishes that never existed before. And that's how I started. Actually, I I, I had this, uh, this this powerful book <laughs> with those ingredients, with the dates when this something starts, when it finishes, and and I was working with that and and started to create my menu based on that. And then my second thought was if you are if I ask you right now very quickly your top 5 uh, food memories or the best memories you, you can you can come up maybe very briefly with 5 but maybe you need a little bit uh, take long longer time to come up with another few. It could be your grandmother cake, it could be the best uh, fish you ate you and you it could be you know a pasta in italy or wine i remember blumenthal saying that he had this fantastic uh, seafood and he ordered a bottle of wine it was so good and so cheap he ordered two cases of that and he sent to his best friends in london and they opened that with the rain <laughs> outside the window, you know, next to fireplace, and they called him and said, what, ki what kind of wine you send us? This is, this is such a crap. <laughs> so you have to be aware also of the situation, who you're with, what's yes. the occasion. Everything gives you this memory, and, and, and I thought we're going to call our menu moments, because this is the moment that you will remember or not. And we are, and we modestly say, if you, if out of our eight moments, there's our biggest degustation menu, even though the moments actually is sixteen, uh, Amis Bush, pre-desserts, all that. You you have the eight moments. If we will be remembered by one of these dishes throughout your life, our job is done. We. We don't have the tendency, and I know from my experience, if I go to places, there won't be no 15 or 28 dishes I will remember, and they will wow me. There will be few. So I think if I can create this memorable experience uh, for someone who comes to visit, 
that that's 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 perf just perfect so the menu is called the moments and then we just follow with with the calendar of nature and polish ingredients so to get back to the calendar is the calendar a book it's not, it's not actually a book it's uh, I, I would like to publish one day and uh, and i think it it it's it's, it's kind of uh it should be kind of like a lifetime uh, work. Yes. Uh, feel because I'm filling the pages all the time, and maybe I would love to publish one day, even in in, in English or, or somewhere abroad. I don't know, but this is you know. Then then we have our exp we experiment with with things like most chefs do. Even though I was very skeptic about that, I thought. People who say we have the love, oh my gosh, really! And then when we open atelier and we were again running at 300 miles per hour, my office was at the staircase. We, there is no office such uh, such a thing in in my tiny little kitchen. And 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 I thought, how can you create in the middle of such a you know uh, dynamic uh, living kitchen? You, you, I'm sitting on a staircase. I'm writing new dishes. You know, somebody's pushing me, <laughs> crossing me <laughs> over, and it's it's just you know. I realized this is how you can create. You need a peace of mind, peaceful place filled with uh, equipment, and then you can start you know playing with that, experimenting, testing, and. So one year after that, after opening, I found the space for, for the lab. Very quickly, I opened that. And, and I also encouraged my chefs, young, young people, to go there for a whole day with, without actually any goal to achieve. Just maybe take a box of tomato and, you know, you have all this uh, super modern technology around you and just play with it. And how, how much do you use technology? I, I, there is there is a motto above our door. Nature meets science, and people always it's again the science people consider it's about molecular. No, the science by by dictionary, uh, it's it's a knowledge obtained through study or practice. There is no molecular word in that. So if you have a farmer who grows potato for forty years and you make him, you know, sit down and write his experience in the, into the book, it will be a scientific book about how to grow potato, what to avoid, you know, and, and things like tips. So so I think the practice is, you know, something that, you know, gives you the power to, to understand. And whoever names it a molecular cuisine, I always say, no, 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 no. For me, it's conscious cuisine. You are aware. We know the sous vide, we know the temperature now, we know what's b ticking behind the processes. You, you, are, you are using some techniques because you are conscious, you are aware why and what for. So, but I think uh, it's like, I will give you the example of wild strawberries. They are so tiny, they are so beautiful, they are so tasty. So we experiment with them, we make these foams, jellies, everything. It just doesn't work. It's a, it's a waste of fantastic ingredient. I I hardly remember a year when I ate enough of wild strawberries. I want to have it in my hand, just eat it. So after all that, you just say, no, we're going to serve it as the nature gave us. And on the other hand, if you have cranberries, you cannot do the same. You cannot eat a whole handful of cranberries. You will just... 
you know, uh, your head will fall, up, fall apart. So then when you choose the techniques, maybe you can do a little foam that disappears in your mouth and leaves the cranberry flavor on your, on your tongue. This, this is wise to use the technique then. And, and I think this is how we see things uh, in terms of technology and all that. It helps us a lot. We, we're much better cooks, I think, as well. Can you give me um, three flavors that are dominant in your menus? Uh, altogether, there will be a forest. 30% of Poland is forested. We are kingdom of mushrooms, white game, venison. Um, we are fifth producer in the world of uh, edible herbs and flowers. Uh, so uh, the first one has to be juniper. <laughs> juniper? Juniper, yeah. And, and, and the green juniper, <laughs> which I love so much. Explain that, because uh, I don't think a lot of yeah, uh, Americans are that the, the, familiar. The juniper berry is the, is the black one that you know. and, y and you We know it from gin. Yeah, yes. from gin, you know it from gin. But when, <laughs> when the berry is green and you actually turn it into into kind of, uh, we do actually oil, infuse the oil with it. Uh, and the whole experience is completely different. It's still juniper, but it has this chlorophyll, green aroma, grassy kind of. If you close your eyes and you put this, this juniper in, in your mouth, you know somebody gave you something green. It's hard to explain. It's green. It's one million percent. So it's completely different. And... Uh, you know, it, we, we we use that quite a lot. And the second one will be, I think, will be pine. Uh, again, some some forest flavor. Uh, and I think the the third one. I think you showed something with pine that you make a pine oil. Yes, we make we make the pine oil, but we make a, we we make a pe pesto also with pine needles when they are edible. Um, and the third one will be hard. There's, there's, there's many flavors, I think. But the one Poland should be proud of because they, you know, it comes from primal, the only primal forest in Europe it will be the bison grass. This unique now flavor is bison buffalo. Uh, well, uh, people use different name. In we we say so it's bison grass, and and uh, you have to remember the the grass itself. If you actually Move your hand, move your palm of your f fingers on on onto on the, the on the left, so, yeah, on, on the, the leaf, the on the blade yeah, of the leaf, on the blade, and then if you should have the silver left on your on your on your on finger, your, on your finger, if not silver, silverish like a color, color, yeah. and what is that? That's that's the bison grass, the real one. <laughs> oh, I, I, I what does bison mean? Bison is a, it's a buffalo, yeah. It is a yeah, buffalo. Yeah. Are there buffalo in? Yeah, they are because it's, nat it's a natural park, so they, they are you know protected. I see. So and and the bison grass only grows in one area. In that area, yeah. And it's a primal forest, meaning yeah. it goes back to time yeah. immortal. Yeah, yeah, virgin forest. They say so. Um, it's it's it should be one of the uh, the flavors uh, associated with with so what is what is cuisine. what does bison grass taste like? Um, I think it has the. Uh, of course, the grass is there. They are the the grassy aroma, little little very tiny citrusy, sagey kind of, and but also honey flavors. Mm. Mm. Uh, Melissa, you know, you know the uh, the herb. So it's 
It's are a they a mixture of all that? You said the grass is dead. No. 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 But is it illegal to pull the grass because it's a primal forest? I don't think I heard that question. Oh, I I finally got something new to you. <laughs> uh, because you would think no, the primal forest is it, it it's the only place it grows? The only place that grows. Mm, I hope But I even no, it's not illegal. You can even if you enter the uh, the uh, national park itself in front of the park the people are standing with little uh, bunches of that dried. Oh. Uh-huh. So nice. Uh, I don't think it's that is that illegal. <laughs> well, we're getting to the you know we've gone way over our uh, allotment. We're almost at an hour, but this has been so fascinating. Tell me a little bit about what challenges you today. Where you know you're you're obviously someone who's constantly looking for to learn and to grow. So where do you look for that today? I think. It- it's kind of obligation for me or mission. We would say that's why I'm here also in Seoul to you know to show Polish cuisine to others. I can see from Atelier we have sixty percent of our customers are foreign customers. Mm. It's, it's quite a lot on on a weekly basis. You know, weekday weekend days, Friday, Saturday, no one speaks Polish upstairs in in a restaurant. So, mm. but it's like being ambassador of of Polish cuisine of something of something new. You uh, you, you wouldn't consider a, a Poland as a culinary direction, I guess. And 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 it's time to change that. For me, knowing uh, well. My fundamentals right now. What's what's really available in Poland? How how big the country is and filled with wonderful ingredients? You you have to go and show others if there is a space, you know, for for uh, Latin American cuisine. If there is a sp- space for Asian cuisine, of course, and you know Singapore, whatever many different places. I just want to make a statement that we also exist. And nowadays, you can you know. You can travel anywhere you like and and maybe find out and discover something new and exciting for yourself. And, of course, every of those journeys I I take also as an inspiration. I cannot bring directly in terms of copy-paste some of the techniques, ingredients, because I am using only Polish ingredients. But, you you know, the, the inspiration is right there. We are in Seoul. In Korea, when when kimchi style is all over, we do a lot of that. Fermentation, pickling, marinating is is also part of Polish cuisine and European cuisine altogether. Mm. So probably I will see a few good points here and and try to you know uh, include that in 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 my future dishes or or you know I'll be inspired by what I see here and uh, yeah maybe. Yes, in in terms of progress, you, you, you the, the progress will be you know for us. I can I can I can see now 2011 when we opened 2016 when when we are right now, and we have a star. Yeah, we have the appetite for more. For more, okay. <laughs> well, it's been great to have you on the show today, and I we can't wait for you to come to New York. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll visit. Yes, we already done the deal. Okay, <laughs> done the deal. <laughs> yeah. Pop-ups coming. Okay. Well, I'd like to uh, thank Chef Amaro for thank being with so us much. today. And I want to do a shout-out to Robin Cohen, my producer. 
And I want to say goodbye to Jack Inslee, who's been the producer since the beginning of Chef's Story. We wish him well, especially in his new ventures, and we'll see you in Washington, D.C., Jack. And to all our listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.